This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Two. Hello, welcome back to That Mill Podcast. Uh, joining myself, Omar, I've got two guests today from two rival clubs, but we're going to get the lowdown on Mr. Duncan Watmore. Uh, firstly, Johnny Bullock coming. Hello, mate. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. How are you doing? Not bad. You're the Borough fan, mate. So uh, we'll tell us about your podcast or your show, mate, just so we can get a little plug. Yeah, so we're the Borough Breakdown podcast. Um, we're a Borough podcast that pretty much just dissects Borough games. Um Win, lose, or draw. Um, I'm not going to jail in a second just to say that it beat us. Um, but yeah, we're just um, a podcast that does pretty much all of that um, across Twitter, Facebook, all the social media, all the podcast providers, and YouTube as well. Lovely stuff. And uh, also, Graham Falk is joining us. Uh, Sutherland fan. Thank you, mate. Welcome for joining us. Thank you very much. I'm even more pleased that you invited Johnny two weeks after we defeat Borough. So thanks very much. Um, yeah, same old. Uh, same, pretty much what Johnny said. I, I run What the Folk, which is just um, a unique project that's got a little bit um, too far out of hand and still continues. Um, I don't know why. I should probably stop doing it. But um, if people want me to continue <laughs> doing it, it's just that uh, at What the Folk pod, we just chat chat about something games before and after, dissect stuff, uh, talk about the fact that we don't sign any strikers on deadline day and have no strikers um, and all that kind of stuff. So just your usual runty football fan um that chats about their football club and no one else cares about it but if you're interested in that that you can find it there you go i mean it's uh, the best way for all this stuff kind of brews from like our podcast was a lockdown baby when lockdown happened we're missing the pub chat after the games and then you just kind of carry on from there really so yeah i mean face of the penalty obviously for joining we're obviously in the first part of the show we're going to talk about dunkel what more arriving at the den um i guess you know, I opened the floor up. I mean, I'll come to you first, Graham, being the Sunderland fan, but obviously Mills completely aside from uh, Watmore from Borough. What was your like initial impressions and obviously memories of uh, Watmore at the day, at the stadium? Like, sorry, mate. Watmore's a funny one because, like, if you're asking for my initial memory, it's injury because right. I got two ACLs with us. The poor, poor we might. Um, but to be fair, Duncan came in from Altrincham, so we signed him when we were in the Premier League, and he came in as like this really, really raw roadrunner type player that just puts his head down and runs in a straight line um and that kind of worked sometimes um but he got a little bit more all-rounded when some other dice came in and some other dice would use him as like an impact sub and obviously i, I can't remember the exact stats but i believe it was some other dice's last 15 games we only lost three of them and at the time it was the season that leicester won the league and it was like west ham leicester and man united or something had beaten us and 
Um, we managed to get results against, I'm sure it was Arsenal and Man City or something like that, and, and stayed up and, and relegated Newcastle, which was a, a really lovely time in my life. Um, but in terms of what more, he would come off the bench at that point and he would sort of score a couple of goals here or there, add a bit of pace, stretch the defence, and we thought, you know, what more, who at the time was in England under 21 and National would potentially go on and blossom even further. I think as many people know, Sam Allardyce took the England job, things went south. We got David Moyes. David Moyes is the worst man that has ever existed on the planet. Um, <laughs> we fell down about a million divisions, decided to put it on Netflix. Um, and during that time, Duncan got a double ACL. He got an ACL when we went down in the championship when realistically he would have been one of our... Um, sorry, he got, he got an ACL, not Premier League season until a light and came back in about November of the championship season when we were already struggling and hoped that him coming back would give us a bit of impetus because obviously it was, um, I wouldn't say really highly rated, but we expected that he could progress and definitely was a championship player at least. He came back for like three games and did his ACL again. By the time he came back, it was December and we were in League One and we had Phil Parkinson as manager. So he was kind of victim of consequence in many ways with Sunderland. And um, the one thing I would say with Duncan Watmore is he'll give you 100%. Um, I never, ever remember him not giving 100%. I'm sure Johnny will probably echo those sentiments as well. And, He's a really nice kid. He did loads of good community stuff. Um, I don't think many people have a bad word to say for Duncan Watmore. To kind of put it, to put it in the context, obviously we touched him before Sunderland played Borough not that long ago, like two weeks ago or something like that. And I know we're classed as rivals, but it's kind of it's nothing on Sunderland Newcastle or stuff like that. But when Watmore came on, he didn't really get heavily booed. He got clapped. And I mean, mm-hmm. if he played for Newcastle, yeah, he'd get booed. But I think most people really respect Duncan Watmore that. In a way, I think you could have had a better career if basically you didn't have chocolate knees for a couple of seasons. Um, and unfortunately, his nightmare couple of seasons with injury kind of coincided with Sunderland's worst period in history. Um, and then when his contract ended, he was on a decent whack. And I think it was Neil Warnock that took a chance. And I think I'll probably let Johnny take on from there. But um, he's, he's doing all right for himself. And I think, you know, obviously he's, he's carved out a championship career. And I'm, I'm sure from memory, he'll, he'll do a handy job and at least be an option off the bench at the very least brilliant yeah I mean Johnny take it over from there I mean obviously he's mentioned the injuries but then for when you look at his statistics for Winnersboro the last two and a half seasons he's featured quite prominently for you guys and injuries seem to be a little bit on the backside now I'd like to think so for, for you guys um, but yeah Neil Warnock picked him up on a, on a free um, he had like a little trial and then we just gave him a short term contract it was like you know what get yourself back to fitness and I think the aim was really just to give do him a favour and then let him you know, go somewhere else. I think he had an offer to go elsewhere, um, and you know he just did really well um, when he when he when he came in on the short term deal. And from there, like he's just he he just became like a, a very sentimental fan favorite. You know, like he was, he's just like you know really good at really worked really worked hard. Um, good presser, direct. Um, but what I would say is that he would he scored a couple of worldies, but the amount of cities he misses is is something else. Uh, to be honest, but um, yeah, but that, I think that's just what more though. Like, you'll love him, and I think, and I think you'll you love him that much because I think obviously with Millwall fans, like they want their team to you know grind out results, work hard off on and out in and out of possession, make a really difficult place to to go. And he, I think he just fits that that stereotype, and I think he's going to be a a really good coup for Millwall. And I wasn't surprised to see him go though. I think there's you know. As, as times progressed, um, and we, as we've developed, um, it, it just seems that what more has started to go further down the pack a little bit. 
Um, you know, Archer's doing really well. He obviously came in and, and did excellent at the weekends. You know, Akpom's been on fire this year. Force has done really, really well. Um, and I'm waiting for Grant McGaw. We didn't do well against someone, but and it's not, it's not the point. Um, <laughs> we, we've done, we've done, we've done pretty, we've done really well for most of the season. It just, it's just, he just became like surplus to requirements. But overall, I've really enjoyed Duncan Whitmore. I'd echo what Graham said. Really good kid. Works really hard. Direct. Good in and out of possession, and he'll just give you 110. percent And I think that's just what every Millwall Millwall fan wants, to be honest. So. Yeah, for me, I think it's a, I think it's a good fair business to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think he will kind of fit in from the untrained eye a bit. Like uh, we've got George Honeyman, who's you know not really featured as much, but Graham will know Honeyman. But like you know, hard working is normally the bare necessity you need to kind of get into a middle team. And I think what more does do that, but also the office quality. I mean, to the untrained eye, it looks like something. In my opinion, I saw a few Sunderland games and Middlesbrough games when we featured and played against each other. What was more of a winger, I suppose, for Sunderland, and then I guess Johnny with Burroughs feels like he's a bit more of a forward kind of across the front three, sometimes up front. Is it kind of varied at time to time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he played um, across the front line, and we for the last couple of seasons we've played a three at the back, uh, like three four one two, mm-hmm. or like three one four two, and he just plays as a forward, like centre forward, and just playing off the, the the probably the target man under. Under Warnock and then under uh, uh, Chris Wilde, it was very much pressing from the front. So Watmore fit that mould really well, um, and he's he's just done well in in those positions. I think he can play on on both sides uh, in terms of the on wide and can play centrally. But for me, I think his best position is centre forward, pressing, and then just try and create opportunities through that press. And I think that's where you'll find the most success from him. Um, but he will last only like 60, 70 minutes. So um, that's just, just get the most out of him for that 60, 70 minutes and then his knees will probably give in. So, um, but, but other than that, good good bit of business. I mean, Graham, so obviously with that, I think he was more of a winger, wasn't he? At, um, same flight, wasn't he? A bit more. I think he was obviously didn't score many goals for you guys, but obviously, you know, like you said, featured in that Premier League season where you guys obviously had 15 games, you mentioned there. Um, what was your kind of, you know, if that in that sense, he was more of a winger, definitely, was he at the stadium like? Yeah, definitely. I think when he really came to prominence and his best sort of runner form was Sunderland was um, ironically under David Moyes when we had like a really small period in that horrendous season where we, I think we won three and five. We beat Leicester, we beat Watford, and we kind of this is going to make me shudder to be honest. Um, but left hand side Victor and each of right hand side Duncan Watmore, pace and power, Jermaine Defoe front. And it kind of worked for like a little bit and everyone was saying, oh, well, maybe that front three kind of works. And that's, I think that was around the time he did his, his ACL. Funnily enough, I've just remembered this. The second time he did his ACL was in that game when we played against Hughes and our goalkeepers. Both of our goalkeepers just decided they didn't oh, exist. The, t- the 2-2 game, right? When Archer and whoever you had in goal alone was needed, two free kicks. Sean Robin Reuter. Oh, my <laughs> God. I mean, like he, he was the best of the three goalkeepers we had that year. So I don't know what that says, but he actually done his ACL in that game. And I think, Dave. if I remember correctly, we also had Johnny Williams, uh, who's now at Swindon. Mm-hmm. Um who's similarly made of glass, um, or was for us certainly, and has been for a lot of clubs. And I think he'd done his, I think he'd done his hamstring within a minute of coming on as well. So it was like one of those games where you're like, oh God, everything's going wrong. So I think unfortunately for Duncan, what more he is kind of that. Um, for some then everyone has the kind of time for him, but he's sort of a symptom of a really, a time we would rather forget. Because when he came to prominence was when we kind of didn't, and we just went backwards. But I kind of echo what, what Johnny says. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have minded seeing what he was like up front to kind of a, 
over the shoulder because he's definitely got pace. And I don't think he was a lot faster when he first came through. Don't get me wrong, you're going to lose pace a bit, but I don't think he's lost that much pace where he's like, he's not a slug. Um, you touched on the honeymoon before. He's a different player, but he's exactly the same kind of personality. Um, mm-hmm. He's the kind of player where if he doesn't give 100%, he's potentially elite one player, in my opinion. But um, he gives that much effort. It makes him a worthwhile championship player to have. And um, you know what? I think I think Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Millwall were in different areas of the country. You know, um, like Borough and Sunderland to close each other. Millwall mm-hmm. obviously down in the capital. But I think, and I know I don't speak for every fan base here, and I don't certainly don't speak for mine, but I think we like a certain kind of player and we have a certain kind of community element to what I mean, football's everything to people of Millwall, Bermondsey, obviously football's everything mm-hmm. to people of Sunderland, football's everything to people of Borough because, and I hope no one minds me saying this, but what now else? Um, and we kind of go for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's just the way it is, isn't it? And I think mm-hmm. when we see a player that'll give like blood, sweat and tears for the shirt, then you kind of almost give them the benefit of the doubt that even if they're not that talented, um, and that's maybe harsh on Duncan Watmore and, and harsh on Honeyman, but they definitely come from that era of, well, they never give less than 100%. And I don't think you can kind of knock that, especially in our sort of fan bases and the way that we think. Okay. Well, that's great. I, and I, I love the sound of it. I think, you know, from the outside, like I said, I was excited by Honeyman. He's not really kind of had his chance yet, but I do think he's still come good for us. And I'm ex- exactly the same with Watmore. So hopefully time will tell with a pair of them, really. But let's have uh, So instead of taking take away the work rate from Watmore, because that's clearly what, you know, he strikes me as like a bit of a roadrunner. Give him the ball, he'll go. And like, you don't know what you're going to get sometimes from him, from what I've seen of him. But, you know, his output's there and he'll keep going and keep going and keep going and keep trying, which is all we ask for, really. Aside from his work rate, then obviously, Johnny, what would you say is his best asset or best quality to him aside from that? He's he's definitely direct. <laughs> I think direct's probably the best word to, to describe him. Um, it's, he's he's good on ball progr- good on ball progression is is probably his main attribute um, and that's uh, getting probably running with the ball and trying to take it past the defender. Um, but for me and, and the best the best you're gonna get out of Duncan Watmore is trying to get get the ball in the in the uh, a target man or into midfield and try and play through the press and then trying to get him on the shoulder of the defender and that's how you'll probably get the best out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when you're against like high possession based teams, he is very very good at creating mistakes from that position but in terms of like different attributes apart from like being the, like that direct nature of a player I would agree with Graham that like, he is probably a, a league one player but he gives you that much effort mm-hmm. like you kind of mask it and um, I don't think there's too much you can really bring into his game which is excellent I think his passing is just average but what he does do and you'll see this now like is that like when I said I said earlier like he will score an absolute world. He's a goal for, uh, for Borough where he takes from about eight players on the wing, right? He, he takes the entire team yeah. and scores. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's unreal, right? You go, wow, what a goal that is. What a great player Duncan Watmore is. And he was top score, goal scorer that year. But the amount of sitters he missed in like two yards out hits the post or like two yards skies it. And then we were, in that season as well, we had like Britain, uh, uh, Ashley Fletcher as well, who were doing similar things. So there must have been something in the water that uh, Neil Warnock was cook, uh, cooking with, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it was strange, uh, strange things. But yeah, I would I would say just really good at ball progression. He would get you up the field when when you're sitting deep and having a grind out result. Duncan was great just to keep the ball too, and he will get you up the pitch and he'll counter really well with him to be honest. And that's how I'd probably say that his his best attribute is excellent. I mean, Graham, I think you know, did you agree with Johnny Day? I think obviously from the outside, I do, and 
think he's that kind of great player you want away from home where you're on the counter-attack and you want him to kind of make a moment of magic, I feel like. You don't know what you're going to get always from him, like I said, but I think he'll be that kind of moment of magic. I mean, do you agree with what Joey's saying there? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, I think, you know, for me, like I say, it's, it's kind of hard to remember the last two seasons of Duncan Watmore like he was at Sunderland because he was literally just knackered. Um, sorry, Duncan, you, you were. Um, and he was having to get back to fitness and obviously he's, he's kind of overcome that because I've never seen a period of Borough where he seems to be injured for a long period of time maybe mm-hmm. two or three games here or there uh, but he's very direct I remember when he first came in he came off the bench for Dick Advocar's Sunderland when we had about seven managers in six months so Dick Advocar was manager at the time um, and he came on like late on and you know that kind of when you're playing really crap and you just go put the kids in put the kids in Mm-hmm. Well, I literally did that and brought uh, Duncan Watmore on who would have been like 20 at the time and he went and scored like a consolation goal against newly promoted Norwich dog days man Jesus um, and <laughs> I think after that everyone kind of went yeah just put him on because he gets forward and he's direct but um, I suppose his pace and the fact that he'll press at the top like Johnny says he'll make things happen he might not finish it because he's not the perfect finisher um, but he'll make stuff happen there's actually a really really good goal that he scored for England under 21s, talking of him scoring worldies, where Jordan Pickford's in goal, obviously both Sunderland teammates at the time, and he does that kind of left foot volley that Pickford can do, and he just t- takes it down on one touch, like takes another touch and just laces it in the bottom corner. And it's a brilliant goal. And I remember at the time thinking, oh God, we've got England's like goalkeeper here for the future, and we've got this potential England centre forward. So the potential was always there. The problem with Duncan is probably due to his injuries, contributing to it. He never really had the chance to reach that potential because I think he would have been about the ages twenty two to twenty five was wrecked by injury and and that's such a prime time. It's like imagine like for us lads who don't play football, we couldn't go out drinking between the age of like eighteen and twenty one. Our life would be completely different. You know what I mean? You can't miss yeah. those drinking years. You just can't do it. Um, for a footballer, obviously, he did, just didn't play football. Um, and I think he still got that ability to push up top and press and I think he is very roadrunnery I couldn't describe it better I'm pretty certain we used to fall in roadrunner to be fair if he lifted his head up a little bit and he kind of like tried to use his left foot a little bit more and he didn't look so direct he might have been a bit of a better player but I don't think that's really Duncan's fault he's either never going to be the player that you would hope he would be or the injuries have completely wrecked him getting to that point but does it mean he's not useful? No he 100% is like um and again, I think he's probably made the move and probably played for the clubs that he's played for based on the fact that he knows his strengths played towards what the fan base like. Um, and I think that'll be the same again for Millwall. But yeah, his strengths mainly are he's, he's direct, he's fast. Mm-hmm. He was very fast with us. Obviously, he lost a bit of pace, but seen him for Borre and he hasn't lost that much. He's back up to speed now. Um, and he'll have experience at championship level now as well. I mean, when we had him, he was a kid um, mm-hmm. and a kid that, was certainly not all-rounded. He's got that experience of obviously two horrendous injuries. He's obviously very, very um, thankful for the fact he's still got a career, I think. Um, and I think that's made him probably go even 10 times faster in the in the uh, the effort stakes and pushing high up field. But um, you've had the experience as well, like it'll bring, and he's played for Borough for a number of years. And, you know, it's just, I don't mind saying this, Johnny, Middlesbrough, quite a good team um, on some days. Sometimes not on Sundays. days. Just love kickoffs. Yeah, but, I'll say that. <laughs> but he's he's taken a good team under some, and and he's been rated by. I mean, everyone likes Neil Warnock, right? Um, to an extent. Mm-hmm. And in terms of like Chris Wilder played him, yeah, Carrick hasn't played him as much, but Carrick has a particular style. 
there's good managers have played him. Sam Allardyce played him, and those managers all know what they're doing, whether you love them or hate them. They all know what they're doing. They're all wildly old school managers that rated his work rate and rated what he brought to the team. I don't think that will change with Millwall. Um, and you've got the added bonus of him being a bit more experienced than he was when we had him. Definitely. Um, that's great. It's not just there. I mean, Johnny, he strikes me as what kind of character is he like? Obviously, you know, you've got Burrow, you've obviously got Johnny House in there, Paddy Mitten there, Del Fry. Is Watmore one of the, the leaders of the characters of the dressing room, or is he kind of just goes about it quietly? I mean, obviously, you're not in the dressing room, but like as a fan, like we're kind of, <laughs> I'm sure we'd all love to be, like, in our respect to dressing rooms. But go on, uh, what, what kind of character is Watmore described as? He's just a, a lovely human being. Like, honestly, he's like, he's just such a nice guy. Um, you know, I think if you're like, if you're a girl and you brought home Duncan Watmore, your, your dad would just love it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like you know, what? he's a nice lad. Him, you know, I don't mind him, but um, yeah, I think he's just like a silent leader, like in a way where like he will lead from the front and will lead through his performances rather than being that shouty, Archibaldi kind of like character. Um, he's relatively quite quiet, but you just love him, like you generally just love him. Just an honest, hardworking lad. Um, I mean, you know, a lot posher than you think. Uh, but like. <laughs> Oh, so you think, oh, he's been at Sunderland, he's been at Middlesbrough, and like he's just coming with this really posh accent. You're like, oh, well, you can tell you have to watch him, can't you? Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, just 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 lovely to be honest. Just a lovely, lovely human being, um, silent leader, and you honestly, I, I will be very, very shocked if Millwall fans don't like Duncan Butler. I will be stunned, like stunned. Yeah. I mean, Graham mentioned obviously Neil Warnock. I think I saw an article last year where Neil Warnock described him. We did describe him as his love child, but he comes across like Warnock loved him. Like obviously, he gave him the chance of his injury after he had a few months away from football, coming to you guys what November time, whatever. Warnock like it was his love child almost, wasn't it? That kind of thing. There. <laughs> yeah, well, Warnock loves anyone that makes him look good. So like you know, what I mean, he doesn't like the players that like you know like will just question any of his methods or anything like that. So, um, but like yeah, obviously like we did. Duncan a favour I think well if you brought him in like we were short on options we had someone who was going to press a little bit more and he, he came in and like I said at the start like he just came in and just hit the ground running and we would have so surprised at like how well he he adapted back in the championship life and you know when we when we when January came around there was a host of championship clubs after Duncan was uh, signature and obviously I think us were just like well luckily give you this chance now Warlock was you know doing his thing and uh, next thing you know he signed like a, f- a three to four year deal wasn't he's just been around for for it he was just around for a while and you know he, he's done really well in that time but yeah Wallach absolutely loved him but anyone anyone that works hard just, it's just it's just clearly in Wallach's fan club I guess I get the impression you don't like Warnock but uh, well, yeah, we'll uh my mate my mate you know like he's he's fine I, I like him but just not when he's manager of a football club like it's very much it's it's never his fault. That's that's what, that's what annoys me. It's yeah. never his fault. But fine, I'm, I'm past that now. <laughs> Graham, um, what uh, was you surprised to see what more kind of come back from his injuries and go to Borough and kind of you know have the three seasons he's had? Really, is that a bit of a shot to some of the fans? You reckon? Yeah, if I'm honest, um, because he did kind of come back in our league one season and he played. <laughs> God, I'm getting actual PTSD here. No offense to people who actually have PTSD, but it was a really horrible time in my life. Um, when Phil Parkinson was manager 
Um, he played Watmore in his first home game against uh, Tramley and we won 5-0. And we were like, oh, maybe this is what we need, the boring sort of Phil Parkinson type to get out of League One. It wasn't. That's not what we needed to get out of League One. But um, And we thought, you know, maybe Watmore coming back from injury would be the kind of guy. And to be honest, like, it's hard to, like it's really hard to dislike Duncan Watmore, but and I can only speak from my opinion. When he used to come on in that end of that League One season, I was so like I couldn't be asked. Like I couldn't be asked for Sunderland at that point because we were getting beat off teams like Scunthorpe and that. And I was just like, What's going on here? Like mm-hmm. and you bring on Watmore and you go, Oh, well there we go, you bring on Watmore and we run in a direct line and probably run the ball out of play because he's forgot to lift his head up. Um and in a way when Watmore when it got to the end of the season, everyone was like I wouldn't be given one new contract. He's on far too much at League One level and he's not offering enough. So then when he went on trial at Poirot, it was like, all right, okay, fair enough. And I suppose if you can get something out of him, maybe bring him on a six-month contract, add to the squad. If you told me he'd be there for like three, four years and make a really positive contribution, um, I suppose in some ways I'm not surprised by Duncan's character. Um, you asked before if he was a leader, I think. Anyone who's been through those two injuries has to have a really strong character. Um, on a serious note, I like to, to joke about sometimes, but obviously he's got a really strong character and he's a lovely lad. He's the kind of person who would like ruffle his hair. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Duncan, bless you. Um, <laughs> but I'm really surprised he actually managed to come back and do so well. The ACL's a horrible injury. Um, you see people, what they go through when they have ACL problems and you kind of think, are they ever going to come back the same player? I mean, 40 years ago, some sometimes they didn't. Like from one ACL, let alone getting two straight away, and I'm pretty certain I could be wrong with this, so please don't quote me on it. Um, I mean, this is on a recorded podcast, so you might as well. Um, but in terms of his knee injury, I'm pretty certain he did one ACL and came back and did his other ACL. I don't think it was the same knee, um, which is just like, I mean, how how much bad luck do you want? Mm. So I kind of thought, how hard is that to come back and have? I thought he might have a career at League One level, League Two level, maybe. To see him doing so well at championship level is not surprising because the character is and kind of how hard he's probably worked to get back. But on the flip side, I'm also a bit of a realist. And, and when he got released, I was like, who's going to be paying money to have you know a guy who's not had a great injury record over the past couple of seasons? And when it ended up being the championship and he's been there three, four years. I mean, when I was last on your podcast, Johnny Duncan was still there and you asked me, well, actually it was, um, it was uh, your pal Tom that asked me, Tom Green, great name. Um that asked me if um, you know who you're most worried about and I think he was expecting me to say like Akpom and all these kind of players and I was like Duncan Watmore it's just written in the stars thankfully it wasn't but um, it's testament to him you know I'm, in a way yeah I'm surprised based on what happened to him but I'm a surprise in terms of Duncan Watmore having the the character and the ability to come back and make himself a valuable asset at a, a good championship team um, and obviously Millwall being also another good championship team which I'm sure he will not really because of the character that he is um, mm-hmm. lovely lad incredibly intelligent I think he did his business degree when he was with us he's got like all these iconists and stuff like that he's super intelligent so if his career did go you know if he did his ACL again or something God uh, touch what I hope it doesn't Duncan, but like say he had another bad injury he's going to be sound because he's got like loads of like doctorates or something like he's super clever so wow. um good kid really pleased for him hope he does well apart from um uh, saturday of course yeah i'll, I'll save the question so who's scared of on saturday uh, for the second <laughs> part of the show but johnny um we'll wrap it up the first part mate so i really appreciate your time today i guess just one last thing of um i guess what's your predictions for him at the den i mean it's hard one few times so the quantifier though but um do you think 
is he going to be a player that will kind of better our side? I don't know how much you know about Mill, but I mean, like, you know, you've seen us play obviously a couple of weeks ago. I think he is someone that will come in and give us that kind of option, I think, an outlet, I feel like. Yeah, he, he's a, if he's not going to start, he's an outstanding squad player. You know, I think the, and, and it's just like, he's just going to be that first sub on to change a game. And if you need someone to get yourself to the pitch, he'll be really good. And to ask what we've built, the more I've watched this year, the more I've, I've kind of bought into what he's trying to, trying to do in and out of possession. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your game was a really difficult game. And we, I think when you came on, it was one low and far scored. And, um, it was a difficult game for, for long periods. And, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised to see where you currently are. Um, are you going? To, is Duncan Watmore going to get you to the Premier League? Probably not, and that's like re, the reality is that he's yeah. just not. He's just not a Premier League player. But now I've said that it'll be a playoff final. Bora Millwall and Duncan Watmore's going to win, and no, that'll be brilliant. And then quote it, get the get the video ready. Standard in it, just standard. No, I said that, but um, you know what? Like he, he'll he's better. He's definitely better in the squad. Um, he knows people there like George Savile, and he he's had a really good relationship with him when he was at the Bora. And so for me. Yeah, good bit of business. Really good bit of business. I'm sad to see him go, but it makes absolute sense for him to, to go to Millwall, better his career even further, and I'm 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 certain that he'll do really good things for you. He won't be he won't score twenty, thirty goals a season, but he'll chip in with ten goals and that ten goals could be the difference, right? So and, and miss probably twenty thirty setters, I'll gather by the sound of it, right? Or... Potentially, yeah, potentially. But if you create better chances, yeah, we don't, create, we don't create as many chances as Michael Carrick's borough. So, I mean, we'll create some chances. As long as he takes one or two, we'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> but he, Johnny, will, he will. Thank you very much, mate, for coming on. Um, and, no. yeah, hope you see you again in the future, mate. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Graham, lovely to see you as well. Um, and I'll speak to you all soon. All right, second part of the show. Graham, thanks for staying with me, mate. Um, let's talk about Saturday's game where Sunderland come to SC16 Bermondsey. What are you expected ahead of Saturday, mate? Tough game. Really tough game. Um, your home form's excellent. It's not a nice place to go. The den, from a multitude of reasons, um, you're not a bad side. And we obviously will get deeper into it, but our transfer deadline day wasn't particularly good, although our transfer windows and recent recruitment has been very, very good. We had an injury to our best player last week. We haven't really replaced him. 
he plays up front, you have a very good defense, and you play quite well at home. Very well at home. Um, <laughs> so very tough game. That um, I won't make a prediction yet, because I'm sure we'll come to it, but um, I'd snap your hand off for a draw right now. It feels a big game. So uh, you still got 18, we got 19, we got, you got 18 games left in the season, but we're both sort of in similar kind of positions, kind of got similar sort of momentum, it feels like, in recent form as well, you know. Not necessarily hit and miss, but we win more than we lose at the minute, which is obviously great for both our sides. But it's too early to say it's a crunch game. But it feels like an early crunch game, doesn't it? I don't know if you feel the same going into it on Saturday. It's a weird season for Sunderland because it's kind of like a free hit. Right. In a really odd way. Like, if we finish... Fifth, if you said to me at the start of the season, right, Sunderland will finish 15th green, are you going to be happy with that? I'll be like, yeah, no, fine. Brilliant. Away from relegation. A chance to progress. Um, and then, no offence to every other championship fan watching this, we came into the championship and went, oh, this is crap, actually. And it's not as little point... made out, is it? It's not as little no. made out, is it? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, I can honestly say, you know, we've come up against teams that are good, like Sheffield United are good, Burnley are good, they both beat us, Norwich, we should have batted, but when they brought on the likes of Canwell and um, they brought on, um, oh God, the name's completely gone out of my head, the Icelandic centre-forward, I can't even think, um, Timo Buki. Okay, okay. Yeah. How I forgot that. Um, <laughs> but like, when they brought those players on, you could see the strength and depth and you know, the, the truth is, it's not crap, but um, the, the division itself is like, no one's really battered us apart from Burnley for 45 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. We spent 11 games without any recognised strikers because both of us and the got injured, and that's the only time our forms really kind of dropped in terms of, not the way we play, but the kind of points, it's really hard to play without a centre-forward. Um, Ellis Sims came back, uh, we started winning games again, obviously Ellis played against yourselves and scored, Ross Stewart came back just after the game against yourselves. Ross Stewart, in my opinion, outside of maybe Jock Perez, in my honest opinion, is the best striker in the league. And I think his goals to per minute kind of prove that. Mm-hmm. Then he's got injured again and Ellis Sims has been recalled. So it's it's one of those seasons that is beginning to feel like a missed opportunity. Now, some people will think it's too soon for us to go up. I think that's hogwash. Because, uh, you know, ask Huddersfield Town fans how they feel if last season was too soon to get up. I'm sure. Take the opportunity when you stay in front of you, right? That's it. We don't... 100%. 100%. Momentum's such a big thing. Um, we're a really, really good team. Um, and I feel weird saying that because I haven't said it for about a decade. Um, we'll play some lovely football. Um, we've got some tremendous players that will be playing in the Premier League in soonish. Um, Diallo being the number one, obviously plays for Manchester United and they paid £40 million for him for a reason and it will show. I think you've probably seen that in the home game. Yeah, but we've left ourselves really hamstrung with um, with only one striker. We've got Joe Geltart, who's played less senior minutes than we've got left in the season. So it would probably feel more crunchy if I felt like we hadn't hamstrung ourselves a little bit and the season, it's weird because we're playing really well. Like, but it feels like we're one injury away from our centre forward when we've already had this situation happened already from having like a season of no strikers. And that's mm. going to absolutely hamstring us. But um, if we went to Millwall and won, then suddenly you're going, well, hang on a minute. Mm. Um, some then season is a free hit. I personally think we're in the best six sides in the league. I personally would like to go up this season because opportunities there, why not? And I think anyone mm-hmm. could be anyone in this division and I think we're one of the better sides in it. I think, unfortunately, um, it probably feels less crunched to me because I have a, a worrying feeling they're not the no striker or 
only one striker situation is going to catch up on us and probably render us a little bit fruitless at some point. But if we win on Saturday, yes, absolutely. Massive game. Um, and we're going to go up, of course. <laughs> gotcha. I mean, yeah, I think I agree with you there a little bit. I think the championship gets misrepresented. Like when you're out of it or from a neutral's point of view, it's like the second best division in the world. No, yeah. but it's the, mo- it's the most competitive division in the world. It's like it gets misbranded a little bit. It's it's brilliant watch. It's brilliant for a neutral. And that is why they, it's, it's like, oh, it's just the second best league. Well, no, it's just the be- most like, you know, end-to-end topsy-turvy division, really. You typically have the two or three Premier League sides that get relegated, tend to go back up because they've got all the parachute payments and they seem to like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of be up there with the money. And then everyone else, it's like all holds bar. Off you go and see what happens, really. It's like a dogged fight to be up there. And yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think... It'd be an interesting tie on Saturday. I'm intrigued to see you guys. I was surprised to see Roster at play last week. I really was. I thought, and when I saw your team, you went full pelt in the FA Cup. And I kind of thought, you know, I mean, fair enough. Like, you know, you're saying it's like a free hit this season, I suppose. So you take everything as it comes. But I kind of thought, oh, they, they're kind of going for it in the FA Cup here when, you know, they're doing all right in the league. I, I don't know if that was a surprise to you as a fan as well, going into that. Um, I'm not surprised Ross played. I think you'll want to test himself against, uh, for me, Ross is a Premier League striker. Um his injuries are obviously concerned now because he was fully fit last season. Um, but the season he had before he joined us, he was a little bit injury prone with Ross County. And this season he's had three months there and now he's out for the rest of the season. It's mm-hmm. seven months in total, um, which is not great in an eight month, nine month season. Um, but I suppose at the same time, I was a little bit surprised. But then because he didn't start against Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, we actually went with like a false nine and we'll put Diallo up front. Um, the weird thing is, obviously, we're still in the FA Cup. We've got we drew with Fulham and we play Fulham in mm-hmm. um, a replay. And if we beat Fulham, we then play Leeds. And all of a sudden, you're going, "Oh, this is quite interesting." This, mm-hmm. but the only striker we've got that is fit is Cup tight. <laughs> so we don't have any strikers for the cup games, which is weird. Um, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, hindsight's wonderful. But if you'd asked me before the game, do I want Ross Stewart to play up front against Fulham and give it a go? I would have said, "Yeah." So I kind of have to. In some ways, I have to kind of go, well, yeah. And you know what? You could have you could have put him on the bench and gone, you know, let's try something different. Let's not risk him. And we brought him on against Shrewsbury in the FA Cup with about 10 minutes to go. And he scored in the 91st minute. And then we got the winner in the 90th. No, he scored in the 92nd minute. And then we got the winner in the 94th. So it was a bit of a mad end into it. And a lot of the game changed when Ross came on. So you could say don't play him. Um, then bring him on in the last sort of 10 minutes if you're 1-0 down to Fulham. And then he goes and does his Achilles then, I think. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things are written in the stars, I think. And unfortunately for this season, for Ross, who I literally worship, um, he has just not had any luck this season. And it's it's such a shame for him. I mean, it's, I'm gutted for Sunderland, but I'm, I'm even more gutted for Ross because Ross deserves better than what he's got. He, I don't know how many people know his story, but he basically he played for Kilwin and Juniors, which is like it's, it's effectively just above a pub team. And then he got a move to Albion Rovers, which is like League Two, I think, of the Scottish uh, leagues, which is basically our League Two. And to get the move there, I think his dad raised money, or the fan, no, the fans raised money. That was it to get him the move there. And then he went to St Mirren in Ross County, and you know, no offense to those clubs, but teams that are not massively well supported. And he's eventually ended up at Sunderland, and he's now one of Scotland's first picks in the squad. And He's arguably the best striker in the championship. He's scoring a goal every 80 minutes. And then to have his season kind of A, disrupted and then ended so prematurely is just so sad for him. Um, I'm just really pleased that the Achilles injury he's got is only four months as opposed to a year. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, as a Sunderland fan, it's kind of frustrating that happened in a cup game. 
Yeah, no, of course. I definitely get that. Um, your, your squad, obviously, we played against you, obviously, in a freak thrill, uh game. We just spoke about it in a little in between there. Like, first half, I felt like, cool, we're going to, you know, win this quite comfortably. Didn't take our chances, and you always rear your chances away from home because second half, you somehow win it 3 0. Um, I mean, your squad is quite a young squad on paper, I feel like. And when I watch you guys play, you know, there's quite a lot of different players in there. And you've got good experience at the back of Danny Bath, for example, who I think he's a great centre half. He's always yeah. done it, you know, steadily at this league and this level. Um, but then there's always like, you know, the Allen on loan, obviously. Ahmad, great player from the United. Um, Jack Clark, always kind of flattered to see, but he seems to have found a home at Sutherland, it feels like, as a neutral. Um, but yeah, I mean, even Patrick Roberts, it's like, it's kind of a mismatch of players that were promised something five, six years ago. And they're now they're kind of making a go of it now, it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. We have a model um, which I think needs flexibility and you probably catch me at the wrong time. If you'd asked me last week, I would have told you the model is the best thing on the planet, the fickleness of football fans. But um, we, we don't sign players over the age of 24, uh, mainly. Right. I think we maybe should because you touched on Danny Bart there. Corey Evans, obviously, unfortunately, another player that's out for the season done his ACL. He's our captain. He's 32. We don't really pay a fee for players over the age of 24. Like Pritchard is another one. He's 29. He came in. But we haven't signed a player, to my memory, for about three transfer windows now that's been over the age of 24. Um, I think Roberts came in at 24. He's at the oldest. But alongside bringing in players, I think what was quite clever and, and what I think they've done, so the under-23 league moved back to under-21. So there's like a glut of players in the Premier League that are really experienced and talented, uh, really experienced at under twenty one level and talented, but can't get in the first team, and they've got a two year gap, but that can't even play in the under twenty ones. And we've picked up the likes of Dennis Sergan from Spurs, and we've picked up uh, Aji Alessi from West Ham, and these kids are really talented and and they're doing really well. But mixed with that, you have your your players that are like twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Your Jack Clarks, your Patrick Roberts, that have obviously got a boatload of talent but have kind of not really found a home for quite a long while. Um, Roberts is probably the best example. Like, his skill set and his close control is frighteningly good. Like, it's Premier League quality, 100%. The kid has obviously just not had a home. He's been to about eight different places. Like, I think he's been to Twy, he's been to Norwich, he's been to Middlesbrough, he's been... He was at Celtic where he did well, to be fair, but he's um, he came in with us and he scored in the last minute against Sheffield in the playoff semi-final we obviously love him for that he then played at Wembley played really well he's then continued to play well and his link up with Diallo is I mean Diallo's another he's another level mm-hmm. I'd arguably say Diallo could potentially be the best player in this league just on mm-hmm. sheer talent he's a joke of a player he'll have a stinker now on Saturday now I've said that but um it'd be interesting get some yeah absolutely mate I mean he's a, he's a fantastic player and I'll put it this way he's not going to say it's on at the end of the season even if we got yeah. promoted by Hooker Crook, he's not going to stay at Sunderland. He's a, for me, he would fit in the Man United squad. He's a brilliant player. But um, we have become like a kind of a home for players that can rehabilitate themselves um, and also young players that have something to prove. Mm. Um, I think there's that kind of, I don't necessarily like the Brentford model because I feel like the Brentford model is 10 years ago was the Swansea model and five years ago was the Southampton model. You know what happens to all those clubs? Eventually, yeah. they end up getting relegated. Because um, they have one transfer window, which doesn't really work. But I guess in principle, bringing in young players on cheap contract, uh, cheap uh, wages, cheap fees, or, or, or freeze, or um, buyback closes, and things like that, getting them experience, giving them loads of time in the team, and giving them uh, a lot of trust in the team, and then potentially selling them on, 
is heartbreaking, but that's how teams, I suppose, that are not in the top four have to now work. And um, there's a lot of faith in the recruitment because it's been really good. The really disappointing thing is you catch me a day after deadline day when they've left us with one striker and our fan base is absolutely going mad. But Twitter doesn't do nuance. You can't be thinking it's been a really good way that we recruit players and what we do and how we do it. And then simultaneously think they've made a mistake with the striker thing. You either hate them or you don't. That's just the way Twitter is. Um, (laughs) In reality, they've done a fantastic job. Our recruitment's been excellent and it's been a massive reason why Sunderland are... A year ago, we were getting beat 6-0 at Bolton in League One. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, 6-0. And then fast forward a year, we're, we're talking about how I think we're missing an opportunity by not going for the playoffs. So it's been a huge transformation and that all comes down to recruitment. The same reason why our horrendous fall from grace and drop down divisions came from bad recruitment. However, we're a little bit hamstrung with that striker situation. But in principle, the recruitment's been excellent and these young players coming through despite my concerns that we've got too many young players, seems to work. Um, and that's why I'm not paid to work in football and why I just go on podcasts and talk about it. Come on then, let's talk about... You've, I think you used to talk about your recruitment. You deliberately left one name out there, I feel like, for me, to tee you up for it. You signed Daniel Ballard as well in the summer, mate. Um, obviously, Mill fan, we had him on loan last season from Arsenal. Um, I think we fell in love with him, to be fair. You know, I mean... He was yeah, a quick, not sure of him at first. He found his home on the right side of a back three for us. Um, and you can also tell us why he plays for you guys in the second. But came a consistent player for us, a steady Eddie, hard working, and just a young kid that's a graft though as well. But he had that bit of quality because you could tell he's come through Arsenal, if you know what I mean. You could see that kind of, you know, and also the ability just to win. I think you could see it in him that like, he's a real key player for us. And I think we went for him in the summer. It weren't really kind of touted too much about. Supposedly, the rumour is we decided to go against spending significant amount of money on him. Um, due to his injury that we had for us last season. But, you know, obviously that's the hearsay. No one actually knows that, you know, for sure. But tell me about Ballard, how he settled in at Stadium Light, mate, and what the Sunderland fans think of him. Yeah, I mean, in short, he's great. Um, I think he's got all the potential to be one of those players that I mentioned before can make a step up to the Premier League. Maybe maybe not now, but like I don't think it'll be long before Premier League teams look at him. And there was even a rumour somewhere that a few Premier League teams have gone, right, let's go and look at this boy that's gone to Sunderland. Um I had one of your boys on um, in the preseason when we signed him because he was our first signing and I didn't know much about him. Although he was, I think it was a Blackpool. Um, yeah. And the the boy I had on from your side, just every question I asked him, he was just like, yeah, he's great. Mm. Yeah, he's just, uh, yeah, fabulous, great player. Yeah. Um, and I kind of had a bit of confidence in that because I think as I touched on that in part one of this show, I think our fan bases are quite aligned, although our accents are very different. Um, and we're in <laughs> very different parts of the country. Um <laughs> We understand, uh, I think we understand struggle and we understand sort of working hard for, for what you get. And I think Dan Bollard is quality. He's a very, very good player, but I think he also epitomizes effort um, and kind of will to win, as you said before. He plays a little bit more on a two for us at the moment. He's he's um, he started off in a three. Unfortunately, he broke his foot within about three games, mm-hmm. um, which was like a bit of a pain because I actually went over to see Sunderland play Rangers in Portugal in pre-season and he was up against uh, Cholak um, and I live in Glasgow for um, clarity so I'll go see Rangers down again and Cholak's a good striker like, he scored goals in the Champions League for Malmo last season and stuff like that and he made him look like he was an amateur footballer unfortunately the, the floodlights went out after 45 minutes and the game got cancelled so I can't tell you what it was like <laughs> throughout the 90 minutes or whether he would have tired Um so I feel like I had a lot of confidence in him coming into the season and 
it, he definitely was one of our better players in the first few games. And then we hadn't lived without him for like four months. So we kind of, it wasn't we forgot about him, but it was kind of like, oh, I hope he's as good as he was. Oh, as good as he looked. And then um, mm-hmm. he came back in, I think he came back in beginning of December and he's never really came up the team. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think he will, I think. Danny Barr is probably arguably been our player of the year, especially, I would say he's been like the underrated one, so I would have to say he's probably my first name on the team sheet, Danny Barr, because he's the one bit of experience we've got. But Dan Ballard's like, what, 22? And he plays like he's 28, 29. He's just so assured. The big thing for me is he's an absolute unit. Um, and also the girls really like him because he's an absolute unit of a man. Um, I assume the guys might like him as well, but... Um, Ultimately, yep, he's he's handsome, he's strong, he's very talented, and I think he's only going to get better. And I think uh, for two million pounds, that's an absolute snip. Mm. I think for us, if we had two, three, four, five, six million pounds, probably would have gone for him. I feel like, and that's it's the risky reward you take, I suppose, isn't it? In the, in the, in the level, anyway. Um, but yeah, obviously, like I echo what you say, there, great player. Um, I think we're quite we're quite blessed with our centre half, so I think it's not an immediate need for us to go and get someone like him. But if we had the money to spend, we, I think we would have tried to go for him. And it's a shame we missed out on him. Um, I mean, going into Saturday's game, then obviously no Ross Stewart, like you say, no Ellis Sims. I mean, Ellis Sims he caused us trouble. We apparently went for him in the summer window as well, and you guys beat him too in the signature at the time. Um, what are you expecting from Saturday's game, mate? As a as an affair, I mean, we've nearly sold out just for context, and we've not sold out for a little while this season. I think it's a real anticipation from our fans going into it. You know, a couple of new signers in the door. We're not really excited by our transfer window. We're a bit like you, deadline day. We wanted to get a centre forward in. But I think 16 teams in the Championship want to get a centre forward in. You know what I mean? It's like, can okay, we get one more to get us over the line and try and kick us on? But what is your hopes going into Saturday's game from a Sunderland perspective, mate? It's really weird. I'm kind of kind of sitting thinking just like, please, God, don't let Joe Geltar get injured because then our season's absolutely knackered. <laughs> um but I think we'll, we'll go with Geldart up front because he's the only striker that we've got. And I haven't really seen something with Geldart because he was cup-tied last week, so he couldn't play. And I think he signed too late anyway. Um, but we actually should have beat Fulham last week. And Fulham are a really good Premier League side, what, seven mm. off top? And it was they started bringing their like proper big guns on like half an hour, 40 minutes from the end because we were just better than them. Um, mm. We're playing with a lot of confidence. We play some lovely football and... I think that'll continue. There's a lot of confidence there within the club. Obviously, it's a real shame that, and we're really worried that we've only got the one striker. Like, I can't reiterate that enough. Um, but let's assume that, you know, Geldar doesn't get injured. We have got a striker. We play really good football. We can kind of, we attack every team. We don't have any other way of playing. We're not bad defensively. We're just not a defensive team. We just get a team. So I think, I think it could be unlike most of Millwall's games this season because you have a lot of 1-0s here or there, uh, two ones. I think you'll come at us because you're at home. You've got a good home record. You'll want to kind of get into us and kind of kind of like you did away from home, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But obviously even more so than you then. Um, but I also think we don't know how else to play other than getting the ball down, one-touch football and trying to just show how bloody talented and good we are and youthful we are. So I think it could be quite a high-scoring game. I think it could be the opposite of the 2-2 that we had at the stadium like a few years ago, which was devoid of any quality, especially in the nets, um, and might be a game full of quality. But I think I think from a Sunderland perspective, if I'm honest, we, we take a draw. We just want to make sure it's a good performance. Our strikers don't get injured. Um, and I'd like to think we can win, because if we win at Millwall, yeah, great. And we're definitely capable of it. I don't fear anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if we beat Millwall, then you go and well, hang on a minute. Because when we beat you at home, it was like, could we go for the playoffs here? And I would feel like it would go, make us go, well, if Geldot stays fit and yada, yada, yada. But um, mm. if I'm honest, mate, I think it's a really tough game. I think it's a really tough game. And I, I think Millwall are there and thereabouts and have been there or thereabouts for the last couple of seasons on merit, um, not based on luck. Um, I know that it's a competitive division and anyone can go anywhere, but Millwall have been in and around the playoffs for a number of seasons. That's for a reason. Um, you've got a striker that can score goals in Bradshaw. He knows where the net is. Obviously, the boy behind them is one of the more, uh, one of the better playmakers, one of the more gifted playmakers in the division. Uh, if you said to me, look, a 0 nil or a 1 1, will you take it? Oh, yeah, no problem. I'll walk away from it. But the way it's done dark wouldn't surprise me if we went there 1 3 0, but it would surprise me if we lost 3 0. So mm. uh, I think not a tight game. I think both teams will get at each other, but I think it will be a high scoring draw. Interesting. I mean, that game you mentioned at the stadium like a few years ago was the most nil nil two two I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's just like an absolute shit fact all round. And then, like, I mean, at least we saw some goals as like a little consolation to the long trip up there at the time. I was like, what is this game? <laughs> Memorable for all of the wrong reasons. Actually, I think I remember like we had three horrendous goalkeepers that year, and he was the the best of the three. Yeah, I shouldn't say much, but he. I remember the worst goal being our equaliser win. For some reason, Jordan Archer just fell into the back of his net. He fell, yeah. It's like I think the first one he flaps around, and the, and then we scored two free kicks with Savile somehow, and both of them were like average free kicks, like just on target and hope for the best. So yeah, it's funny yeah. times, honestly. You got to look back and laugh, mate. Now I suppose when we both part of the but but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's interesting to take that. I mean, I think it's one of those where like we've got a full house then from a mill perspective going into it. It's like right, if we can get at this this lot, you've got a young team. If we could, and the fans, this is where we come into it. We're, we made that place as intimidating as it comes. Let's see if Ahmed Diana wants to come to the touchline and take the ball on when he's got, you know, fans on top of him and stuff like that. This is when you like, you could either see them rise to the cream rise to the crop, which, you know, they'll learn from it otherwise if they don't. So, yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see how it goes. I, I like your prediction of loads of goals. That'd be great as a mm-hmm. you know, fan going into the game. But hopefully uh, we were on the better side of it going into it. So, come on, and nail me down. Give me a prediction for you, mate. Come on. I want to hear it. I think- I think I had a different one on my podcast. I've changed my mind now. I've talked myself out of it. So anyone who listens to my preview show will be like, well, you've changed your mind, but whatever. I'd never get them right anyway. Um, 2-2. I'll go 2-2. Um, It's it's symptomatic of a game where we'll be like dead good up front, get our striker injured, and then still score two goals and we'll go, it's going to be all right. We don't need to play with strikers like we did for a little bit. But I, I do think you've probably got just about enough, which is weird because I think we've both got really good defences. Ballard and Bart are really good at the back for us and your defence and Cooper and Hutchinson are, are, are solid and big and strong. Um, one place the game might be won, to be fair, is we haven't scored in the league from a set piece all season. I know you're particularly good from set pieces. We don't have a particularly big squad in terms of size mm-hmm. outside of Dan Ballard and he's, um, he's biceps. But... Um, because he's a big boy, um, where you do, you've got really tall guys that, and I'm pretty certain Hutchison is a Newcastle fan, so he'll be extra fighter for it as well. I think <laughs> um, we've all got across this to bear, I guess. But yeah, the game could be one or lost there. That would be interesting. But I think it's an intriguing game, and I think that it's two good sides. Um, I'm just really pleased. I'm not going into games against like I won't offend any teams. Team X in League One and can't really be asked for the Saturday three o'clock kickoff. I'm actually a little bit excited for this one because I think win, lose, or draw, we'll give yeah. a good show of ourselves and, and I'm sure you will as well. 
it's a weird one, Matt, you know, because I agree with you, like, you know, you've got your Rochdale's away and stuff like that from League One days back for a while, that sticks in my memory, or Colchester, and they're, 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 like, they're falling by the wayside as well now, but, you know, these are some absolute grim places to go, but great days out nonetheless, and it's like, but now, I've got, I think we've, as real fans, we get a bit complacent, because we've had five, six seasons now of this, it's like, you don't get complacent, you're happy for what you get, but it's like, sometimes you're like, oh, why aren't we doing this? It's like, well, maybe this is like where we should be, do you know what I mean? But you get complacent as football fans, you always want more, don't you? Of course so, you. We get greedy, but um, you're not scared of Duncan Watmore Saturday. He's debut for the, for Millwall. I mean, he's probably going to start. I reckon. I feel like personally, It'd be interesting one. I'm kind of scared of Honeyman as well. Great. <laughs> he got a really good reception that stadium light. I think he came up as a sub. I remember a round of applause for him towards the end of the game. He was quite marmite as well, you know, when he played for us, mm. which is weird because, like, you either thought he was a good player that added loads to it, or you thought he was crap and he should be sold at the first opportunity. But um. The honeymoon was kind of for me a bit in the middle. He was he was all right, nice lad, a bit like something Watmore. Um, I think Watmore's got more quality, which is not saying much if I'm honest. But um, <laughs> we had a knack last season where any player that played against us, be it a defender, a left back, a centre forward, a defensive midfielder, Blumen goalkeeper at points, um, would score against us if they used to play for us. It hasn't happened yet this season, so um, touch wood it continues, but. Uh, I was on a Middlesbrough podcast two weeks ago and they said, oh, who are you worried about? And they went to all these players on the phone and done in Watmore. So, yeah, a little bit. Because um, it's kind of primed for him or, or Honeyman to do something. Just one thing I like about them both is, and I think players should celebrate whenever they score against their former team, but I don't think either of them would rub it in. They're both nice lads. So if they do do it, it won't be too painful. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. I mean, Graham, thank you so much for all your time today, mate. Just over I an hour. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, all the best of the season after Saturday, as I'm duly obliged to say. So, yeah, thank you very much, yeah. mate. Of course, no luck Saturday, but after that, mate, absolutely. My um, my dad's uh, best man at his wedding was was a Millwall man, and he was absolutely mental, but I loved him. Um, so I've got a lot of time for Millwall. <laughs> um, no issues with that at all. He'd been spent many many of my younger days in pubs in Bermondsey, which I definitely shouldn't have been in because I was only oh. eight years old. But, um, yeah, going back to the... I was going to prod you for a pub name or an area. Do you know we've got all pubs there might have been? Is there anything for us? <laughs> I know, I know it's closed down now, and it was like it was definitely in Bermondsey, um, and I want to say it had something to do with an elephant, but I could be wrong. Um, but it <laughs> definitely closed down, which doesn't really surprise me because it was that kind of pub. Um, but yeah, a lot of my a lot of my really younger memories were like going to England games with my dad and he's. His best mate, uh, well, brothers Billy and George, um, who were massive Millwall fans. Um, and when I was really young, 1995, I would have been nine years old, I went to the New Den and Sunderland won 2 1. Martin Smith scored in the 85th minute. And I was, like I say, nine years old. So I jumped up in the Millwall end because that's where we had our tickets. And uh, let's just say I quickly realized why you don't do that at the day. <laughs> um, and thankfully, I was protected by my dad's. My dad's best mates, but yeah, seriously, I do have I have a lot of time for Millwall um, because of that reason. So, spot on. I appreciate that. Genuinely wish you good luck with what I meant to say. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's top. Thank you very much, Graham. But yeah, like I said, thanks for your time today, mate. Um, if you're new around here, guys, be sure to like the video, subscribe. If you're new, if you listen on audio, be sure to give us a review. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will see you again after the game on Sunday. Cheers for that. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.